Hello and welcome to the Night and On Negotiation podcast. My philosophy is that you cannot change the person you are negotiating with, but you can change you to get better outcomes. In this podcast, you will find interviews, speeches, and lectures, all pertaining to negotiating complex supply chain contracts. This material is based on my four books and is appropriate for both buy and sell side folks. For more information and free resources, visit www.jnyden.com. Enjoy. Hi, this is Jeanette Nyden, Nyden on Negotiation Podcast. Today we're talking with Brian DeCaris. Brian and I worked together several years ago, and he recently is was promoted to a sourcing supervisor role. And I'd like to talk to Brian a little bit about his experiences as a supervisor, a millennial supervisor, and managing a team of contract professionals with varying degrees of skill sets. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeanette. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm so happy to be talking to you in this new role. Tell us again, what is your exact title and what's your background? How did you end up in this supervisory role? Yeah, so my, my, my title is a, a sourcing supervisor. Uh, I'm responsible for both um, materials and, and procurement uh, in, my, in my category. Uh, and how did I get there? It started long, long before uh, in in the retail industry actually in managing um, uh, contractor performance with respect to the individual units out in the field uh, and then kind of transitioned into some logistics and dist distribution. I was then a, uh, afforded an opportunity to uh, change industries completely uh, and step more into a, a contract administrative role rather than a contract manager role. Uh, and then from there, uh, just increasing levels of responsibility, uh, focusing really on um, technical services, engineering, IT um, categories uh, for the organization that I work now. And uh, just really uh, digging and learning a lot um, allowed me the opportunity in various uh, instances where I was able to kind of learn a lot in a very short amount of time and leverage uh, teams within the groups to help me um, build enough uh, experience and uh, be recently promoted uh, with some of the organizational changes that were happening. So um, new role, uh, same team actually, because we actually uh, went through some changes and the team that I was uh, an individual contributor on actually uh, melded with a uh, another group and so that's my responsibility so uh, at this point it's really um, it's really a gift because I had a lot of established relationships uh, there and um, so now it's just kind of massaging those uh, personalities um, and skill sets and adapting them to align with our new goals so uh, that's kind of what I've been focused on uh, recently. So Brian you used a word and there's so many titles for people who negotiate, draft, and manage contracts. What does a contract administrator do in your organization? 
So contract administration uh, and contract administrator in, in my organization does all the legwork up until contract execution. So whether it be RFP, RFQ, um, those initial sourcing um, uh, steps all the way through um, the sourcing strategy. And then um, once, we, once the contract is actually executed by the parties, uh, that contract is turned over to another organization within within our um, group uh, that are contract management. So uh, it's a little different than I think um, most organiza organizations uh, work with. But uh, so everything up until contract execution is really what um, what my group is responsible for. And then we actually coordinate with contract management after, uh, and then take care of any documentation uh, as far as change orders and things like that. But the negotiations, the warranty and claims, that's all handled by a separate group, which is uh, contract management. When you say negotiations, who negotiates the pre-award phase of the contract? That is that is actually my group. So contract administration okay. would be yeah. Would okay, be so you're saying negotiating claims after execution is contract management. That is correct. Okay, thank you. That helps clarify things. So, what are some of the challenges as a millennial leader are you facing with your team? Let's just focus on the contract administrators, not the materials purchasing team. So, what kind of challenges are you facing? So uh, we had 66% uh, of the group move. So I had a lot of um, experience leave. Uh, and with that, we had to backfill. We did not have a significant amount of Ben strength and Ben strength that um, left. They left forever opportunities within my organizations. Um, and uh, part of that bench strength was myself. So we retained a little bit, um, but there was a lot of turnover in a very short amount of time, um, even up through uh, a few leaders above me. So uh, the challenge was A, finding the right person uh, to fill that role uh, and finding a, a skill set. Well, based on our region and where we're located, that, that, that proved to be very challenging. Uh, so rather than focus solely on skill set, we actually looked for behaviors. Um, and then we looked at the the individuals that we already had on the team. And to really, we spent a lot of time seeing how we could place those behaviors, uh, those individuals that had those behaviors within our group, so that we could maximize the efficiency and drive value back to our organization. So it took a lot of planning and, and um, really sourcing the right resource that we needed. Uh, so there was there was a significant amount of uh, planning, and we did not get um, you know high high uh, highly um, skilled or I would say highly seasoned individuals. Uh, so what we did is we had people who were fairly new but had real core based behaviors. Um, that we could teach the processes to these people uh, and then they would be able to go ahead and take the ball and run with it. And so when you say that you were looking for behaviors, behavioral type of interviewing, what did you think was important for the contract administrator role? So I really, I really focused on people who could 
articulate very well. So communication was 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 very key. Can can they communicate clearly and articulate? Check for understanding. That's that to me is one of the foundations. Uh, it just in contracting in general, you know, they, uh, the clear message is very important. I also looked for um, a sense of uh, teamwork and humility. Uh, I, I appreciate those that know a lot, but I also appreciate those that can recognize that they have opportunities um, to develop and through that teamwork, just say, hey, I can reach out to my supervisor, I can reach out to my teammates. And to me, that translates in the willingness to learn and to be flexible. Uh, and that is really what my organization is at a, as a turning point is we need those types of people because there are a lot of unknowns. And so we may have to change trajectories very quickly. And so we're really trying to build some agility within the organization through those behaviors uh, so that we can turn on a dime if we need to. Yeah, so speaking of turning on a dime, you were an individual contributor and now you're a leader. And so how have you seen the role within your organization change over, let's say, the last 10 years? That's a great question. So uh, initially it was, you know, in and out, you know, we get a, we get a, we get a contract, we sign it, we go, there was very little engagement at the front end. It was, uh, you know, contract administration was really at the, at the, the end of the process. And I think that's typical uh, throughout, throughout various organizations. Um, as the uh, political and economic climate has changed. Uh, we've become more risk averse. We've become uh, more financially uh, responsible and really talking about not just savings, not just hard and soft savings, but uh, value and what does value really mean. And so what we've done is really, really focused on building relationships with our internal partners, you know, those, those are clients and really getting us, you know, everybody says getting a seat at the table and being a trusted advisor. And so what does that, what does that do that actually increases the complexity of, of our role and it actually uh, makes our role more important. Well, but my work with with you and your colleagues a few years ago was that the um, your clients, the internal end user stakeholders, um, were not used to working with contract administrators such as yourself. How have they changed in it um, in adopting the new role that contract administrators now have at your organization? So they they've they've embraced it. They've embraced it because uh, partially it's, um, we've got undergone significant leadership changes so that, you know, there's, there's one form where a leader will say, thou shalt do this. Uh, but then there's also the, um, you know, really developing, and I'm going to go back to the communication piece, and really just sitting down and making it about the people, right? So what did Brian do in that initial role? And how has he ushered it, uh, ushered that seat to the table for him and his team is is really just open and honest communication and say hey you know what uh, i realize you have a lot of work to do i realize it's very important to you i realize you need it when you need it 
uh, how I can help you get all of those things, this is what I bring to the table. If you involve me earlier in the process, we can actually become more efficient for you. Whereas 10 years ago, uh, our, our organization was seen as a roadblock. You know, because we ask questions, we want to know, right. uh, and so that delay that translates into to uh, schedule delays, and that's that's a conflict of what our our, our clients need, and so uh, it was really just a lot of constant communication and showing showing them what we could do for them, and it's been a really long process, but now we have a uh, several wins under our belt that we've delivered value. We've also actually made our clients' lives easier and we've established some really strong relationships with some of our suppliers. And so now they're realizing all those returns on their investment in bringing us to the table early in the game. So over the arc of this change, obviously you changed um, how you approach the um, your internal stakeholders, the the end users, which then positioned you for a leadership role. Tell me a little bit about what your organization was looking for, and and just to give the listeners some perspective, your organization is significant. It's traded on the stock exchange. Um, it's a publicly known brand, um, and and as a result, you know, you said that there was there were leadership changes, and you became aware of a management position and applied for it. What were they looking for as you're going through this transition in the contract administrator administrator position? What was what was attractive? Uh, it's funny that you say that because I got some major feedback yesterday uh, on that, and uh, they they restated it uh, several times throughout the process, uh, and it was the fact that I focused on the people. Mm. For 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 me, what is really uh, drives me and excites me and gets me passionate about being uh, a leader and having the opportunity um, and honor to be a leader is that. It's all about the people. Uh, and in many instances, when I focused on the people, whether it be internal clients, external suppliers, uh, the, the questions, the concerns, the, um, I'll say the pushback really relieves itself. So uh, many times as a contract professional, you know, it's like, okay, we have these red lines. What about this section? (laughs) (laughs) Indemnity and everybody rolls their eyes. Um, It was throughout my career where I really realized it is just about the people. Build the relationship. Through that, you establish open and honest communication. And when people trust you and you have that level of teamwork and respect, the words on the paper they go, they, they handle themselves. They do. Uh, they do sort themselves out, don't they? Yeah. And so that is exactly where uh, the, the leadership team was looking for. Somebody who is going to focus on a team, who's going to build that agility uh, and really focus on, on the development because there are so many unknowns in my organization. Um, the message that I'm really conveying to my team, because I do have a wide, uh, diverse uh, 
group is I want them to have the keys to their future. So they need to let me know what I can do for them, whether they want to be, you know, um, attack, continue in a tactical area, you know, try and increase their skill set so they can be strategic experts, or, you know, uh, is there somebody that's a potential leader and how do I provide those opportunities for their development? So this is a great segue and, and this will be the last uh, topic of our conversation today, although you and I can talk for hours and we have at some points in our lives. Um, what mentoring or coaching do you as a leader provide those that are willing to be coached and mentored? So uh, what I've done, uh, because I have such a the majority of my team is very new is I've I've created um, blocked out times called study sessions. And so what, what, what we do here is we bring, you know, challenges that, that the team has and those those new folks kind of have a sub team. And what we do is we work through the process together. Uh, I remember when I first started uh, at this company we do things a little differently. So I just wanted to observe and take in and understand thought processes and how um, I could do a good, uh, a good job based on our business operations. And so really it's just the learn by observing, learn by doing. And uh, as we evolve through those things, I actually kind of uh, leverage some future opportunities to allow the team to actually move forward and, and kind of come back to the team and present and say, hey, here's my situation. These are my options that I've identified. This is the best option. Does the team kind of understand, am I going in the right direction? And so what that does is it creates a very collaborative learning environment. It's an efficient use of my time as a leader, but it's also drives so much return on so many folks. So a one-on-one -on -one is a great environment, but I found that there's a, a great arena and an opportunity for where I'm at to not just teach one person to fish, but teach many to fish at a time. And so uh, I'm finding that the team actually really appreciates that I make time on the calendar for them as individuals, but also as a group, because they actually feed off each other. They do a phenomenal job. And I've partnered those who have really strong personalities um, with those who have a little bit more experience and tend to be a little bit more soft and subtle. So when they collaborate on an initiative, uh, phenomenal results. And I think that's what's really making our team develop in an efficient fashion in the environment that we're in. Thank you, Brian. That was That's fantastic. You know, a lot of uh, the work that I do, as you well know, is one-on-one. -on -one. And you're absolutely right. When I'm working with someone and, and then it's sort of the telephone game, right? Like I've um, worked through some problem that someone's brought to me in a coaching or mentoring session, but then they now have to go back into their organization and talk to several members and try to explain why they're asking for what they're asking for or do what they're doing to their team members. And it's not as efficient and it isn't as collaborative as if we could get all the team members into the room and we can hash out the concern or problem that we're facing together as a group. I think that that's, um, it's also a very millennial way of working, this idea of drawing on each other's strengths rather than the individual contributor. Tell me a little bit about the makeup of your team. Are they, you say that they're 
they've got a variety of skills and skill sets and experience. But do you also have a variety of age ranges in your organization? I, I do. I have a few. I have a few that are um, closer to my to my age, uh, and I have a few that are not so close. And so. What is awesome about that is, really is irrelevant of, of their age, but it's we tap into their experiences, the things that worked well for them, the things that didn't work well for them. And so that's kind of where, along with skill sets and behaviors, I've kind of created these sub teams with, within, within my group to collaborate so that they can feed on each other's strengths because I want everybody to be able to cast a huge wide net um, previously to the groups kind of coming together and, and me becoming the leader of both groups into one new group, uh, they were very siloed. And so they knew each other, they worked with each other, but they never really collaborated. And so now we have the ability and opportunity to use that collaboration and create some efficiencies, some synergies to really drive some, um, some value back to, to uh, the company. And what's really awesome is to see the entire team get excited about that potential. So somebody mm -hmm. who's been with the company for many, many, many years has almost been reinvigorated and excited that they, they feel like they actually can contribute something to the to the company's success and move the needle forward. And so to me, that is amazing, right? So yes. um, to see that excitement and that engagement, um, that's gonna produce a ton of results. And I'm so, I'm so excited to really be um, a part of this team because I feel like we're gonna do some great things. That's fantastic. Brian, and congratulations on the promotion and congratulations on really understanding how to work with a diverse team, how to build bench strength in this COVID era where getting people together in the same room is impossible. And so you're also building it in a virtual environment. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and highlight what you are doing for your organization and your perspective as a millennial leader. So thank you again, Brian, for your time and you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too.